Hello, hello. Welcome back, Leading Women in Tech. We are here for another episode of the Leading Women in Tech podcast, where we discuss all things women, leadership, tech, all the things that you need to elevate your career. And today I'm super excited to bring to you the Executive Director of Women in Cybersecurity. I've heard about this woman for many years and her team actually reached out to me a couple of months ago and I was like, we need to chat. Super excited to get her onto the show. Before we dive into that though, just a little bit of housekeeping for you. First up, a request. If you love what we talk about around here, please hit subscribe on YouTube or in your favorite podcast player. The more subscriptions we get, the bigger our reach. That's the way the algorithm works. So if you love what we're doing, then the best way to support us is to share this podcast and subscribe. And that helps us in turn reach more women. And that way we change the world. My gift to the human race is this podcast. I know not everybody who listens to this can work with me. And my view is if I can change lives by sharing my words of wisdom on this podcast and bringing amazing guests to you, then all the better. And the bigger our reach, the bigger our guests get. So uh, just keep sharing, subscribe and share. One other piece of housekeeping is we are kicking off the Ignite Coach Academy this week. So if you have been listening to our series on using coaching as a leadership tool or maybe creating your own leadership career over the summer, then I encourage you to go sign up for the Ignite Coach Academy training program. This is a 12, which is more like 13 weeks immersive program that you can do alongside your day job and really learn how to use coaching as a toolkit to elevate how you operate, how you think, how you lead, and of course, how you coach. So there is still time to join, but you need to do it in the next couple of days. So go over to tonycollis.com forward slash coach academy to find out all the details. But let's tell you a little bit more about today's guest, Lynn. Uh, Lynn has 25 years, actually more than that, I think, of organizational and leadership experience. She has been working with WESIS, Women in Cybersecurity, for a number of years since fairly early on, actually, when you listen to our interview today, you'll then know she's been involved since kind of its inception. She is passionate about the need for diverse mindsets, skill sets and perspectives, speaks my language. Of course she does, given the role she's in. And she aims to facilitate learning opportunities and discussions on leading with inclusion, equity and allyship, which is why she's such a great fit for this podcast. And you'll hear the pair of us just agreeing. I, I felt like this is one of the podcasts I've been really quiet because she was just saying all the things I think we need to hear more of. And it's hard for me to stay quiet when I do these interviews. <laughs> Lynn has worked with businesses, nonprofits, grants, philanthropic organizations, all in the, with the aim of producing outcomes aligned with cybersecurity workforce initiatives. And that's what she brings to WESIS in her current role as her executive director. In today's show, we dug into the secrecy of why she cares about what she does. And we spent a lot of time talking about the most recent document that WESIS has produced, which is the State of Inclusion Assessment. And you're going to hear from her directly why they focus on inclusion, not diversity, why that was a hard choice, why it was a hard thing to do, and that they took months to even just choose who to work with on this program. But then the surprising results that came out of it. Uh, I think this, if nothing else, will tell you something about, one, what you need to be doing as a leader that's different from just when we talk about diversity initiatives. But two, what you need to do as somebody who maybe is looking at a company and saying, is this a company a good fit for me? And I think there's so many little nuggets in today's show that are going to elevate you, your career, but also how you operate with those people around you. So without further ado, let's get Lynn onto the show. 
Welcome to the Leading Women in Tech podcast, the show that celebrates women in technology leadership. I'm your host, Tony Collis, and this podcast is the result of my passion for building better tech by diversifying the leadership of the technology sector. Join me on this journey as I discuss all things leadership, what it takes to be innovative, breaking through the glass ceiling, be a great leader, and how to navigate the unique experiences we face as women in tech. So sit back, grab your headphones, and get ready to be inspired to become a better leader. Welcome to the show, Lynn. It's great to have you here. Thanks so much, Tony. I'm looking forward to this conversation, so thanks for having me. That's been a long time coming. You and I first connected actually several months ago now, I think. And so I've been really looking forward to this conversation, especially as over the years, I've worked with a lot of women who have been members of Women in Cybersecurity. So start off by telling us a little bit about your journey to being Director of Women in Cybersecurity and why you're so passionate about the work you and your organization do. So, well, thank you for that. I'm happy that you come across many WESIS members. And so we are Women in Cybersecurity, but we often go by our acronym WESIS, and it's spelled W-I-C-Y-S. We pronounce it we sis like we sisters because we're a global cyber sisterhood. So, um, you know, we're all around the world. We have over 8,200 members and representation in 85 countries. We also have 62 professional affiliates and they're all throughout Africa, Australia, Canada, France, India, Pakistan, Israel, Norway, Germany, the UK, and throughout the US. And then on top of that, we have the 224 student chapters. So our community is very far and wide, but how I got involved is through just in a support capacity many, many years ago. In about 2015, I started working with the WESIS organization before it was even a nonprofit, when it was a conference, originally funded by the National Science Foundation with the humble beginnings of $70,000. Our founder, Dr. Amberine Siraj, who was at Tennessee Tech University at the time, she was able to grow this community through the conference experience. So her idea at the time around the 2012-2013 timeframe came out a statistic that women represented 11% of the cybersecurity workforce. Well, she wasn't seeing it in any of her circles of industry, academia, or government. And so her thought was, if women in cybersecurity exist, let's bring them together for a technical conference mm -hmm. to talk about cybersecurity. And so that's how WESIS was started. And in 2015, 2016, I started working on the, with Dr. Amberine Siraj just on the conference experience. And when it became a nonprofit in 2018, I started working a little bit more. And then one time around 2019, about August, this time of year, I was, uh, I received a text message from Dr. Siraj, and it was her asking me if I would consider applying for the executive director role. And it took me about three months to interview with the board members and for them to make their decision. But October 1st, 2019 is when I became executive director of the WESIS organization. So WESIS changed my life. I was always looking for something in cybersecurity, having 15 years working on cybersecurity workforce initiatives. I always felt like I was missing that camaraderie and that community myself, not really mm. knowing how I was searching for it. I would go to different, many different cybersecurity type of association events in the Chicagoland area in the U.S. And I just felt like the content was good, but the 
rich conversation with others similar to me was missing. And so I shifted gears and I started going to like female entrepreneur meetups in the Chicagoland area. And again, that was great. I met many different female professionals, lawyers and doctors, and many of them are still my very good friends. But the rich conversation in cybersecurity was missing. So I never felt that balance of feeling fulfilled with my community and my network until I went to my first WESIS conference in 2018. And from there, my career advanced very significantly, and I was able to move forward in this role as executive director. So WESIS changed my life, and it's a great honor to be a part and be you know, executive director of an incredible, beautiful organization that continues to pave that path for so many. I have heard this kind of story time and time again. Obviously, WESIS is such a huge and an incredibly important organization doing this, but um, even the work I do on a much, much smaller scale where we have a community of women in my leadership program, for so many of them, it's like, this is life-changing because I've never experienced what it's like to be around women like me doing what I do. And I think this is something that I, for many of us, again, and this is my personal experience in supercomputing, I think until I created the community and experienced it, I didn't realize how much I was missing either. Right. It's almost like we have to experience it to realize oh, things can feel different and better. Would you agree with that? Do you think that's part of your experience here? Like we don't realize what we're missing? Yes, I didn't know what I was missing until I had it. And then Mm. I realized this was exactly what I was searching for that entire time. Yeah, I was searching for it. And, you know, it's it's important that community, that fulfilling and rewarding experience of that camaraderie and the community around you and individuals with similar goals and ambition, it really does fill you up and keep you going strong each and every day when you have that as a support mm-hmm. structure. Place. So yeah. I, I'm glad that you have the similar experience because you don't know what you don't know until you have it. And you're like, oh, that's it. This is it. Yeah. I mean, I advocate to all women, find yourself your community, go find it. Um, I think it is incredibly important. I mean, you provide one for cybersecurity, I provide one around leadership. There are hundreds of amazing communities out there for women in tech of all flavors. Go find your people and you will flourish as a result. Um, Definitely. But let's change tack a little bit because what I really am excited to talk to you about is your inclusion assessment. Your organization published results recently on the state of inclusion in cybersecurity. Can you tell us some of the key findings and particularly if there was anything surprising in there for you? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So the state of inclusion assessment, the reason why we did the state of inclusion assessment is we all know like the diversity metrics of the cybersecurity workforce. That data comes out pretty much every other year. We get additional reports on where we're at in the state of diversity in the cybersecurity. And so for us, our mission is to recruit, retain, and advance women in cybersecurity. But we could we could recruit all we want, but can we retain? And what does advancement mm. look like for women? So we're always talking about the pipeline, but what about the leaky pipe? Yeah. And we know yeah. there is this leaky pipe that takes place. And as women continue to rise in their careers, there's a drop-off point and for them. And so there was never really any data that we could open up this conversation or level this conversation with leaders. And you know, Tony, as well as I do, that the higher that leaders rise, that the less experiences of exclusion that they have, they're included more in conversations. Mm -hmm. 
therefore their awareness of inclusion isn't quite there because they're not experiencing the feeling of exclusion. So when we're always talking about diversifying the workforce, we know that diversity could turn into sometimes a feel-good metric because it's a metric you can measure. But for reasons we wanted to measure inclusion, but inclusion is harder because inclusion is a feeling and it's only felt when you're excluded. And so therefore we took the time to research who we wanted to partner with and we ended up with Illyria and they're a research firm and they were able to quantify the experiences of exclusion to identify the state of inclusion for women in cybersecurity. So those findings were great. We were so thrilled to be able to have the participation that we had in that, but also to start these conversations and really put a little bit more ownership on the industry itself to reduce Mm. some of the barriers. So instead of throwing DEI initiatives out there, now industry could be extremely intentional about where the breaks are so that they could overcome the challenges. And so some of the interesting findings is, well, first of all, the first finding was something that we expected is that women leave their careers because of people, women and men out in the industry. This aligns with any other industry as well. Mm-hmm. If it's because of the people, not because of the actual job itself. It's the yeah. people, not the policy. And so our findings show that 68% experiences of exclusion stemmed from leadership. So that's no surprise there. 61% is from managers and 52% of from peers. Also, folks that I participated in our assessment identified that 12% comes from policy. So it's people and not policy why there are experiences of exclusion that would either have women choose to step into a different role or step out of their career or a new organization itself. We just interrupt this interview for a second. As you know, my mission is to change the face of the technology sector by elevating women, making the tech sector more diverse, more inclusive, so that we make better tech. I do that with my passion for teaching and coaching around leadership, but ultimately I'm here to build a better tech community. If you like what we do, if you like what we talk about on this podcast, I have a favor to ask of you. Please hit subscribe, whether it's in your podcast player or on YouTube, hit subscribe and if a bonus points, Please share it with somebody who you think needs to hear some of the conversations we have on this podcast. By doing that, you aren't just elevating yourself, you're helping others out there and you're helping us reach more people with the end goal of making the tech sector a better place to work. And remember, without people like you sharing, without our sponsors such as today's guests, Lindom and Women in Cybersecurity, we can't bring this to you. So please do your little bit, share this with somebody who needs to hear it. Thank you. So... That lines with many different industries. So that came as no surprise. But what was really interesting to us, and this goes back to our conversation about um, community, is that those individuals that participated in the inclusion assessment that identified as employees of WESA's strategic partners had 36% lower experiences of exclusion and they had 15% higher levels of satisfaction on the job. And so we looked at the data and we're like, wow, this is incredible. Because what it's Mm -hmm. showing is that the community is working because when we dove into that data 
a little bit deeper, we discovered that those individuals that identified as employees of WESIS strategic partners also participated in WESIS activities, many different initiatives, either in our mentor-mentee program, part of our webinar series, produced webinars, attended webinars, was at our conference experience, volunteered on a community, was just a part of our training programs in general, either receiving a training program or developing a training program. They were part of a community, that rich community itself. And so what it shows to us is that the community works like the network Mm -hmm. works. You have less experience of exclusion when you have that community around you in the workplace and you have higher levels of satisfaction when you're working on something out even outside of yourself, when you're focusing on other initiatives that are important to you. And so that was incredible. Yeah. But the one thing that our researcher found that he's never in they have never found in any other industry like they found in cybersecurity is that 57% of individuals identified that the lack of career growth and advancement was their experience of exclusion. And this directly lined up with another finding of this study, was, which is that women experience a glass ceiling at around six years with a particular organization. And so yes, that's yeah. really, really critical and I don't, I'm sure you've experienced it being a leader in the tech space. Mm-hmm. You understand this. Everyone that I've shared this data with as a cybersecurity professional is like, hmm, yep, that's, that's about yeah. right. When they think back yeah. during their career, they're just kind of floating around at about that six-year mark trying to there's not this clear career pathway. They see their peers getting promoted. They're getting passed up for stretch assignments. There's all sorts of different contributing factors that are mm-hmm. leading to this experience of exclusion with that career and growth advancement, kind of accepting the status quo and then choosing this place is no longer for me. It's time for me yeah. to move on to another area. And so those yeah. are, you know, those are really, really important metrics for industry to pay attention to. And so um, I'm always happy to share it. And everyone that's listening could find that report on the WESIS website too. I will make sure we include a link to that in the show notes because I think that this is really powerful stuff. I mean, what you're saying, obviously, I'm not an expert in cybersecurity, but it really resonates with the work I did previously in supercomputing and that industry, which has very similar numbers, 13% of women, of, certainly back in 2017, I don't, I'm not up to date now because I'm not in that industry anymore, but it was 13% of the workforce was women. So it's a very similar starting point. And I would certainly say, I think that that 57% of individuals identifying that lack of career growth was their experience of exclusion. We never quantified it, but that resonates so strongly. Mm -hmm. I would say that lack of career progression is also what I now see the biggest challenge, burnout. I talk about ambition gap with my clients. They are ambitious, but they feel like they have to stay here or they're being kept here. That gap between where they want to be and where they are, that causes burnout. People think burnout is working hard and all that. But the stress, if I know I'm capable of more, but I can't for whatever reason, whether it's, you know, I'm going to have to work longer hours or um, I can't get promoted, that gap itself, the gap causes burnout. And so that lack of career growth is just, I, I think there's the single biggest contributor to women not thriving, like across the board. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. And that burnout is 
extremely challenging to overcome. Yeah. Yeah. And then to get back into that space and to be able to advance and thrive in your career after an experience like that is just another barrier, another, yet another layer. It's like death by a thousand paper cuts, quite honestly. Yes, like, it it's all really these is. things that build up on one another where after a while it is you, you do burn out. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, let's um, shift gears a little bit and let's talk about that policy piece. Because, you know, a lot of organizations, we go out there, we fix DEI with policy. If you are saying only 12% of the issue around women, why women leave the industry is policy, what should organizations be doing instead? Why, why, what can we be doing? How can we just like stop obsessing around policy, which is the lever we're all pushing on? Right. That's a great question. And I haven't been asked that yet before, Tony. So I I appreciate the perspective is that leaders could read this report and they could develop a policy, yet another policy on yeah. how to overcome these challenges. And what we're asking the industry to do is to pay attention. There was a, a time like three years ago, I was in Ohio and I was at an event. And after I had a speaking engagement, I sat down at a table and it was all men. They were very polite and and it was after my speaking engagement. And so the, the gentleman to the left of me was super thrilled to share during our luncheon that um, that he had 35% women on his cybersecurity team. And he has no intention of stopping until he's at 50%. And so I, of course, was very interested in this because it's mm -hmm. so much higher than the industry average. Yeah. And he's the CISO of a very large company. And so, of course, he was excited to share this information. This is exciting information for all of us to hear. And so mm -hmm. I asked him what he was doing different. And he really just took his time answering that question. Like, he really thought about it. He sat there and looked around the table and very carefully turned to me and said, I'm paying attention. And it was that moment where I was like, that's what we have to do. We have to sit mm -hmm. back. And as leaders in this space, pay attention. And so he realized that if women weren't applying for his job, he needs to meet the community where the community was at. And the HR mm -hmm. practices that and talent acquisition practices that were in existence wasn't working out for him because there, he was not getting the diversity that he was striving to have on his cybersecurity teams. So he was doing all sorts of different in, uh, different you know, implementations, and he was driving the change that was needed. And so that he was creating an inclusive space, and that comes from the leadership down. And others mm -hmm. were yeah. suit. And so what we ask here is for leaders to pay attention to this data, because when you cultivate the culture of inclusion, diversity will expand. And so it's very hard. A policy won't fix this. The policy is not the problem. And this data and this report showcases that very clearly. It's the leadership, the managers, the peers, and that comes from the culture of the space in which we work in and in which we continue to exist in. So how are we going to show up differently and create that inclusive? Mm -hmm. So that's what we're asking everyone to pay attention to is inclusion and the efforts that it takes to have that. And we get shared experiences all the time, as I'm sure you do, Tony. We get female leaders share like incredibly powerful senior and executive role women in cybersecurity 
shared just last week that as they're on a panel discussion, when the men were speaking on the panel, the moderator was completely engaged. And when the females, mm. their leader was speaking on the panel, the moderator kept looking at his watch and showcasing oh. these signs of impatience. And they had the clock, the ticker was in front of them. Everyone had three minutes to speak and everyone is a professional. Everyone knew fully well the expectations of their speaking on their panel. But yet these instances of impatience, it continues on and on again. And so paying attention and being mindful of how we interact with others. Being mindful of how we interact with others is spot on. Um, so let's let's talk about leadership a little bit more here because you mentioned earlier that as we, and I completely agree with this, but as we progress up in our careers, we experience less ex- exclusion. And although, as you've just highlighted, sometimes it props up in the most unexpected ways, even in the most senior leaders. But I, I've seen one of the issues I've, I've personally experienced, and I've also been guilty of this, is I forgot the challenges of those coming along behind me because I figured it out. I'm where I am. I'm thriving. Also, the challenges that the next generation face are different from what I faced. So trying to solve the problems that I had for them do not work because they don't have those challenges. They have new challenges. What would you say to the leaders listening? Because a lot of our audience is leadership, including all the way up to CEOs. What would you ask them to be doing? What would you ask them to be looking out for beyond paying attention? What do they need to watch out in terms of tripping themselves up, making silly mistakes? What are these women, these extraordinary women who are invested in women in tech? That's why I listen to this podcast. What do they need to be hearing from you today? Well, I I often say that anyone over the age of 45 needs to be mentored by someone under the age of 30 because they're- I love that. (laughs) Their experience. So we're always seeking the mentor that's above us. And, you know, you know, there was a study that came out many years ago that showed that as uh, as a woman is advancing in her career, as an individual is advancing, like doing that big career advancement, that they're surrounded at about six or seven mentors through that career advancement. Mm. And so we have this mindset of, okay, I have a mentor. And so therefore, I, I and I'm working hard, I'm reading, researching, prepping myself, I'm speaking up during meetings, I'm showcasing my capabilities, and I'm doing everything right. But realize that there's a diversity of mentoring that an individual mm-hmm. could receive. So if you're in a middle role and you're looking to get to that senior role, surround yourself by multiple mentors so you get that diversity yourself. And you can, you know, kind of level set in how you're going to advance in your career. But if you're over the age of 45, one of those mentors should be someone under the age of 30 because their experience is extremely different. And as you become a leader in this space, we all know that navigating through difficult conversations, crucial conversations with multiple different people, with many different opinions that are coming from many different experiences that we have no idea others' experiences, it's important to be able to navigate those conversations very eloquently. And that comes from knowing those perspectives. So we have to stay tuned in and tapped in to that younger generation as well to have that. 
Also, our mentor-mentee program, it's really interesting that you say that because as we, we do forget, we do forget the challenging mm-hmm. times until something occurs to me and I'm like, oh yeah, I totally experienced that. And you have that gut reaction, but yeah. time does heal. And you do, sometimes those memories are faded because they, they were quite some time ago. So in our mentor-mentee program, we have 1,600 enrolled in that program, but we match individuals intentionally in a cohort so they have that community and that network of uh, shared experiences among their peers, but also we match them with a mentor that's intentionally just one level advanced than them. So if it's early we match them with those in middle, mid-career. If it's mid-career, we match them with senior. So we don't want to match the senior, the executives with the college or the entry level. Because work, yeah. yeah. There's no relative experiences there. Mm-hmm. But yeah. And I also think that a really strong skill of a leader is being very genuine and authentic. To being like, yeah, that hurts or I've been there. And, and to share your very raw um, vulnerable experiences yourself because it makes others feel like, oh, I'm not alone. And I know that helped me out so many times in my career. Just hearing you helps me out in my career and this yeah. podcast itself. So. Oh, I love that. Okay. Well, let's, let me ask you a final question before we move on to the quick fly round. For a listener who is listening and going, yep, yeah, that's great. I, I hear that. But I'm now the one hitting that glass ceiling. I'm five, six, five and a half, six years in. I'm now noticing that genuinely I've done all the right things and I'm not advancing, but my peers are. Everybody has good excuses. But like when you hear that 10 times, you just start questioning it. What would be your advice to those women listening? To the women listening at that stage in their career, Knowing that this data exists, I would share with them that they have to have, they have to talk to their mentors, talk to their peers and identify themselves. Where is their next career advancement? Where do they aspire Mm. to? Look at who is with their colleagues or what conference they've been at or who have they seen or heard of or have spoken to where they're like, that's where I want to go, and then reach out to that person and ask them for a half hour and find out how did they get there and then develop your career pathway, like your ideal, what's your ideal career pathway and identify it, map it out. Don't linger in this limbo thinking that someone else is going to advocate for you in this space. Yes. Mm-hmm. You need to advocate for yourself and it takes being a, an ally for yourself. You need to mm-hmm. like... You map out that career pathway for yourself, then reach out to those people that are in that pathway already and say, how did you get there? And then speak up, speak up to your direct, yeah. you know, your direct report and to your manager and say, this is where I plan on going. This is where I want to be. And another thing that's really important, it was advice to me and I lived by it and it really helped me. And in my mentoring group, I always share it with my mentees. And it has helped them in such a short amount of time is that if you aspire to be into that space, then you show up as that leader right here, right now. Yes, 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 yes. I say that all the time. That and the pathway. I think those two things. Oh my God, yes. Isn't it? It just changes everything when you show up as that next person and embody that, right? 
embody it. Yes. And it, it takes time, but you have to start practicing. And every day you have to say, okay. Or if you're developed with the challenge, you would come across and say, okay, I'm going to sit back. And how would a CISO, if you aspire to be a CISO, a chief information security officer, you would think to yourself, how would a CISO respond to this scenario? when they want to you know, move forward with the course of action, but also make sure that everyone's listening and on board. So how would a CISO respond to that? And then you lead from that space. How would, yeah. how would that leader respond? And that's a great yeah. skill set to embody. Oh, I love this conversation so much, but we do have to move on to the quick fire round, which as you know, because we had a chat before, like some of my favorite questions are in here. Are you ready for the quick fire round? Let's do this, right? Yes. Okay, so... First up, my favorite all-time question. What is the worst piece of advice you've ever been given? I was given a book that was written in like the 1990s. And what that advice was is they said, read this book. And this is the culture of the organization that I want to have here. And it was like the worst thing that I could have ever experienced. Actually, it paralyzed me and it didn't mobilize a community, a team, no one. I mean, it was the worst. Read this book and this is the culture that I want to have. It makes no sense because the culture comes from within. But that was yeah, that was the boss that I had. And that was his great piece of advice. But ultimately, within six months, no original people were even in existence on that team because it was his way of leading was so out there. It made no sense. Yeah. Well, yeah, when you, when you, your way to build culture is read this book, you kind of know it's downhill from there, right? <laughs> it's so sad. I like this is going to be lasting very long. <laughs> yeah. Well, what is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? To be your authentic self. Oh, I love that. Oh, I feel like that's a whole conversation that we don't have time for because I have so many questions about what does it mean to be authentic, but like spot on totally best. I I love that so much. What is the last book you read and would you recommend it? Oh, the last book I read, I read this book every single year and it, I definitely recommend it. I recommend it to everyone is Crucial Conversations. And I don't. Yes. I love that book. Yes. It's a small little book, but I have to read it Mm -hmm. as a refresher just to keep my mindset in the right space for very challenging conversations. So love it. No, I love that. I've got that on my bookshelf behind me somewhere and I can't for the life of me think who the author is, but we will get that on the in the show notes for anybody listening who hasn't read that book. Go read that book. Let's talk mindset for a second. One of the things I love to do at the end of every episode is to give a main, mindset tip. So what is your favorite mindset tip that the women listening to this need to take on board to work on inclusion or anything else you've discussed today? This mindset tip is something that I just talked about actually with my mentees in the cohort on Friday. So my mindset tip is to take two minutes before you start your day and to just sit quietly with your eyes closed and set your intentions and how you envision that day going. Um, Whether it's you envision the outcome of the conversation to be collaborative and professional and you're moving forward in the right direction, or if you envision your day with high productivity, where at the end of the day, you're able to feel rewarded and fulfilled, or how are you going to show up for others that day? You just set your intention and your mindset will adjust to you envisioning how you expect your day to advance and progress. So two minutes, that's all I ask every female professional before you start your day and start your meetings, you take two minutes for yourself. 
to envision the outcomes of the day. I feel like you and I have like been educated in exactly the same way. And it's just surprising to me that we've only just met <laughs> because I'm like, this is a conversation I have all the time. I literally, the coaching call before we hit record today, that was the conversation I was having with my client, like intention setting, beginning of the day, best thing you can do for your career every single day. I set my intention every morning without fail, have done for four and a half years since I figured out that this was a game changer. Every day, even Saturdays and Sundays, I set an intention. Yes. And how I came across it is because I was seeking time management. It was time management. Mm. Um, an, a, an executive coach said, you don't have a time management problem. You have an energy management issue going on. Here. Yes. Isn't that, the, it's this, yeah, it's so much of the work I do around time management is actually energy management. I Spot on. Yeah. Oh, I, I think so many of us think we have a time problem. We don't. We have an energy problem. But when we have low energy, we start doing things that we know don't work. We do busy work. We get frustrated. We make less good decisions. And oh, okay, that's a whole other conversation as well. <laughs> I love this. Get back together and have another conversation. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <sighs> well, how can people find out more about you and what you do at WeSys? How can they connect with WeSys? Tell us where to find you all. Yeah. So if you're if you're a cybersecurity professional, or if you're looking to pivot into cybersecurity or you're seeking an, an aspiring cybersecurity career, please uh, check us out at wicys.org, W-I-C-Y-S.org. And you could find my information there and, you know, anyone could feel free to uh, reach out at any time. Thank you. I always like to leave people with a final thought. What is the final thought you want to leave my listeners with? whether it's something completely different or your key takeaway from this conversation today? The key takeaway is that there is something you could be doing right now that's not hard, that doesn't require you to read a book, that doesn't require much time or energy other than, I mean, the one key takeaway is to do that mindset moment, to take the two minutes every morning sitting at your desk with your laptop down, setting your attentions for your day, it will make a difference. And you could journal the experience in a month from now. You could reflect, come back and add the comments here saying, I did that two-minute mindset moment. And I felt like yes. a more powerful of my version of myself. And you, that mindset moment can even be, your intentions can be, today I'm going to show up as a more powerful version of myself so that you're honoring your authentic, genuine self and building up your energy for the day and how you're going to experience that day. So, you know, do that. That takes nothing more than listening to this podcast and feeling inspired to do it right. Oh, I love that. And and please, listeners, please share with us how you get on with that. I love that. Like, come in. If you're watching this on YouTube, share a comment about if you've tried that, if it works for you. If you're listening in your podcast player, leave a review and tell us. Tell us how you get on. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Lynn. As we've already hinted at, I think this is a longer conversation that you and I need to have well beyond just the state of inclusion. Thank you for sharing your words of wisdom. And remember, listeners, stay on your tech leadership game, follow your dreams, because the world really does need that uniqueness that you bring as a leading woman in tech. <laughs>